Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pure and Simple Bible Podcast. I'm Jonathan Edwards, and this is episode 136. It's the first in a miniseries called Proverbs, the Beginning of Wisdom. And the question is, what do you know about the book of Proverbs? If you're like me, it can be simply a collection of quotes and sayings that, you know, you might find on an inspirational calendar or something. But I was surprised to learn that there was a far greater use for this book and that the purpose of the Proverbs is to teach wisdom, of which the outcome should be justice, judgment, and equity. And what's challenging about it is that it takes wisdom to unravel some of the more difficult sayings of the wise, and therefore, the more that we can understand the ways of wisdom in Proverbs, the more it will be unlocked to us to learn more. Now, in the first study, Jamie Thompson and myself will begin by discussing some basic questions. And while you may think you know the answer to them, please study with us as we realize that there is a lot more to Proverbs than meets the eye. Let's begin a conversation together, shall we? Why don't you? Why don't we begin with you just taking a minute to introduce yourself as though the listener has not met you before. So I, we know your name, Brother Jamie, but uh, maybe tell me about your family, your, you know, your work, just a little bit about yourself and what you do as a Christian. Okay. Well, um, my name is Jamie Thompson. Uh, I worship at the Grapevine Congregation in um, Grapevine, Texas. Um, we've been there for, I guess, about two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved stateside three, just over three years ago, this past November. Who is we? Uh, that's my wife and uh, two daughters, and I've just had a son. He's uh, nearly two months old. Uh, yeah, so a lot, of, you, a lot you, of sleepless nights. Have you raised him like Mufasa or, or like Rafiki raised Simba? <laughs> it's funny <laughs> to say that because I do that just about every day, <laughs> and the girls laugh every time. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Yeah. So I married an American. Um, Elizabeth, my wife, Mm -hmm. she grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. We met at the Oklahoma New Year's meeting uh, a long time ago now. And actually, tomorrow will be our 10th wedding anniversary. Will it really? Yeah. So we lived... Welcome to the double digits. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) We lived in Australia for seven years. That's where I'm from, where I grew up. Um, And then we moved uh, after a very long process trying to get my visa. I'm now a permanent resident, and we've lived here for about three years. Well, thank you for, you know, filling us in on your family and uh, maybe a little bit of your past. Maybe next time you come, we can dig a little bit further in. I'd like to, we're both sons of preachers. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to hear about maybe you growing up as a son of a preacher, but we're going to table that for now as we've, uh, we're going to jump into the Bible study. Um, you, you gave me three to choose from, and this one popped out in my mind because I'm in the middle of going through a book study right now for my home congregation. I feel there's a whole lot of value in taking a book and not only introducing it to uh, your home team, so to speak, but then also just showing the value of studying in the context of a book so that 
you do more than just cherry pick, right? You're gonna right. you're gonna kind of look at the the overall theme, and then that way, when you look at a scripture, um, you see where it fits in the big picture. Yes, absolutely. I, I think the last couple of years that I've been studying and reading is really impressed upon me. We need to be, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to be asking the question: Why is this in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just a haphazard collection of books. And I, I think we all know that, but at at me at least, sometimes I forget that, and I, I need to ask myself the question, why has God put this in the Bible? What does he want us to learn? And I think if we, like you say, just cherry pick a verse here or there or a section here or there, mm-hmm. it's easy to lose the context. And you, we really need to look at the overall book to see what message is trying to be communicated here. Well, we're going to, p- people already know where we're going because they've probably looked at the title of this podcast um, episode. But we are going to be in the book of Proverbs, which in my mind, would be the easiest book to cherry pick in the Bible. <laughs> because at face value, when you read through it, each proverb kind of stands on its own. So mm-hmm. what you know, what am I to do except, you know, take this verse and apply it as I need to and take that verse. But your study is meant to help us um, appreciate why this is in the Bible and, and how it is. It has its own theme and that we can... Uh, find, follow that structure. But the very first question that I want to ask, because I, I don't want to assume uh, for our listeners' sake that everybody is familiar with it. So let's begin with who wrote it. Who wrote this book and what can we know about them? Okay, well, according to Proverbs 1 verse 1, is written by King Solomon. But uh, we also notice that it's edited by King Hezekiah's scribes. So in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 1, uh, do you want to read that out for the listeners? Sure. Proverbs 25.1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, by the way. So for those who are familiar with translations, Proverbs 25.1 says, There also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Hmm. And uh, if you notice in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 1 and chapter 31 and verse 1, there's Proverbs of Gentile kings there at the end as well. Gentile kings. Gentile kings as well. So we've got Agur, the son of Jacka, in chapter 30. And chapter 31, we've got King Lemuel. So th- these aren't uh, Israelite kings that are recorded for us. So we're forced to assume that they're uh, Gentile kings from the form of their names. I'm not sure I ever put that together. I mean, it makes perfect sense because I, I can't think of these names in the genealogies of the kings, but... I don't know where I assumed they came from. M- yeah. Mythical <laughs> Israelites of, of yonder days, I suppose. Okay, well, that, that maybe helps me frame who wrote it. Um, and I can appreciate Solomon, especially as as the man who asked God for wisdom. Right. And so he was blessed with this ability. Now, you say that it is a compilation, but it also is coherent in its structure. What do you mean by that? Well... Like you say, I think it's it's easy for us to accept that Solomon wrote it. He's the wisest man on earth until Jesus came. Um, but, you know, as far as being coherent, like we talked about earlier, it's, it's easy to cherry pick. It looks like the the Proverbs are individuals. And, and how do you group? The, how do you go through a chapter study? Mm-hmm. But uh, so what I mean by that is it, it seems like these statements are unconnected. There's a very in uh, a very deliberate structure. Uh, and it's in, very intentional and coherent. For example, uh, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, 
you've got the thesis statement where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mm-hmm. Then at the end of the book, in uh, chapter 31 and verse 30, uh, where it's talking about the virtuous uh, woman, uh, it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Right. So we've got this, this bookend where it's talking about the fear of the Lord. That's how you, you get wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting that at the beginning, that's where Solomon's writing it. And at the end, that's where you've got the, one of these Gentile kings. So even though uh, there's multiple writers, it's edited together and it has a, a, a co- coherent structure. And, you know, when I first learned about this, it kind of caused me a bit of worry because I thought, well, this is written by the Holy Spirit. How can you have multiple authors? I was just about to ask that, and especially with the word edit. You keep saying talking about editing. Right. And I think, well, didn't the Holy Spirit write this? Well, what is, is there a book that comes to mind to you, Jonathan, when you think about multiple authors? The longest book in the Bible. Okay, Psalms. Yes. Okay. You had me worried for a second. <laughs> what? Nobody makes a fool of me on my podcast. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's got dozens of authors, some right. of which are unknown. And uh, furthermore, it's divided into five deliberate books. And okay. Moses wrote the earliest psalm, and then there's um, psalms that are written in the, the period of the exile. Right. We think it, we think of David as the writer, but this makes perfect sense. He may have been one of, but like you're saying, Moses and others wrote psalms as well. So someone under the um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit has compiled all these psalms and made them into 150 psalms in five books, mm-hmm. and that's the inspired word of God. The, the, the editor can be, just be, can be just as inspired as the various authors. Wow. And here's a really good example that really helped me when I first um, learned about this idea of uh, editing biblical books. In Jeremiah chapter uh, 36 and verse 32. Okay. So uh, Jeremiah has written to the king, and here it says, Then Jeremiah took another scroll, and gave it to Barak the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it and gave the instruction, I beg your pardon, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And besides, there were added to them many similar words. Oh, okay. So they're they're taking what was written by inspiration. Uh-huh. And then they're adding to it in a similar way, like they would be adding or collecting Psalms or Proverbs. Yeah. And and so that's what it seems happened to Proverbs. Solomon, under inspiration, wrote many of the Proverbs. Mm-hmm. The, the scribes of Hezekiah collected more uh, Proverbs, under inspiration, compiled them together. And then someone either during, perhaps those scribes, perhaps someone else under inspiration, collected all 31 chapters together. And so it's not a haphazard uh, collection from various authors and it's just kind of thrown together. Right. It was uh, written and compiled by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that makes sense. So my natural next question, um, I, I better appreciate who wrote it, but then I think, well, who is he talking to? Because, again, the the Proverbs, I feel like they're really good little uh, scriptures that I could put on a calendar mm-hmm. or on a sticky note, right? And And yet what I'm seeing here is that there's a lot of care going into the writing of it. So that means they had to have been presenting this to someone. 
Can you help me understand who they were writing to? Well, at the beginning of the book, um, you can, we can see this written primarily, primarily to young men. In fact, Solomon often will say, my son. Okay. Notice in chapter 1 and verse 8, um, let me turn to it. Uh, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. So it seems Solomon is, is writing primarily to teach his son, Rehoboam, mm-hmm. how to be a king in his place. Uh, but it's more widely applicable to young men, as Solomon is writing to. But I think that it's applicable to really everyone, um, because although the primary audience is young men, well, young women come into that too, because there's specific instructions for what kind of a wife uh, uh, a young man should look for right, in uh, chapter right. 31 and in various other places in the book. And if that's what young men should look for, surely that's what young ladies should aspire to. Right. Now, I can accept this because every epistle is written to somebody that's not named Jonathan Edwards, right? <laughs> right so right. the Ephesian letter is from Paul to the Ephesians. That's his target audience. And yet I read it with the same care and diligence that likely they did when they received it. Yes. Because I value that even though it had a target audience or a specific person in mind, that God in his infinite wisdom knew that all of his children would benefit from reading it. So yes. that's what's going on here in Proverbs. Yes, yes, I believe so. And, and I think it's not just young people that can benefit from it because, well, who's supposed to teach young people? Mm-hmm. According to God, it's the older people. Right. And so we've got an instruction manual about how to teach the young people. Excellent. Excellent. That's an interesting quote from a, a scholar, uh, Belcher. He, he writes, The purpose of wisdom in Proverbs is to help a young person to have the right goals in life so he or she can appropriately plan to reach those goals. It's about having the right perspective, looking for a, a godly life. You know, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm trying to personify maybe the person who's read Proverbs and sees it primarily as a, loosely connected set of little quotes. Mm-hmm. And so I can appreciate who wrote it and that he had a target audience in mind, um, specifically his son or that metaphorical son being younger people. So I guess I'd like to know um, maybe when it was written and uh, what kind of the the Proverbs were about, because if it's going to be more than just things I can pick out of, I want to kind of know everything about it. Right, right. Well, um, if we date it to Solomon and Hezekiah, Solomon uh, would have written it around 950 BC. Hezekiah was reigning around uh, 700 BC. Okay, so within a 200-ish plus year, 250-year period. Yes. And as far as what it contains, a proverb in English is a short, pithy statement that uh, has a, a, a nugget of meaning, something that you can really chew on. It kind of uh, teaches us more than the length would imply. Right, okay. Um, however, in the, the Hebrew, it's not just these English proverbs. It, it includes more than this. It, it has a broader range of meaning, uh, including other sayings such as parables, or beatitudes, numerical statements, and uh, better statements. We'll get onto that later. That's where uh, something is good, but something else is better. Okay. Let me think. Let me see if I can. I'm I'm trying to think of what an English proverb would be. The one that has just popped into my mind. I, I always tell it to the kids. 
if you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Uh-huh. Is that a proverb or is that like an idiom or a, well, are they the same? Well, like a, a stitch in a short. time saves nine. <laughs> okay. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. There you go. Okay. So then that, that helps me appreciate that I do use proverbs. Many hands make light work, yes, for example. That's a good one. So, you know, too many chefs spoil the broth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, we're using them constantly. And like you said, um, if, for example, I'm trying to make a meal, let's say I'm cooking breakfast, I'm trying to scramble eggs, and everybody comes to the stove, and I'm trying to tell everybody, I need you all to get away from me because I, there's not enough space. Somebody's going to get burned, and you're going to ruin this egg. And I don't have to say all that. All I can say is too many chefs spoil the broth, and mm-hmm. they should know that there's a lot more to it. But you're you're suggesting that Hebrew proverbs, it's more than just a pithy story statement or yes. a saying. Well, it, it definitely does include that and that's what we think of, that's what we have on our calendars but <laughs> if, if you read through proverbs the the um beginning of it uh is it has a lot of introductory remarks but includes more than these one-liners mm-hmm. actually a lot of them are two-liners uh in in hebrew poetry they use a lot of what they call couplets a couplet a couplet okay. so uh, are you familiar with that term well I mean, I hear the word couple yeah. in it, but maybe what what am I missing? Well, and that's basically what it is. There's uh, two paired lines that go together. For example, um, Proverbs chapter uh, 19 and verse 14, it says, Houses and riches are an inheritance from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So there's two statements that go together mm-hmm. um, and they parallel each other. Uh, one, perhaps in this case, uh, one is greater than the others. Sometimes uh, the writer will uh, repeat the same phrase in, in different words to emphasize its meaning. Okay. Um, another one is, this is one of my favorites actually, Proverbs <laughs> 23, uh, 13 and 14. It says, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. In verse 14, you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So, And that's kind of an example of the latter where uh, he's using two lines to right. say the same thing in two different words, uh, right. two different ways. Okay. Yeah, I, that makes sense. And and so even in this couplet, in both of the examples that you've given, um, well, I, I guess in the first one more specifically, the second is superior, but it doesn't take away from the first, meaning uh, you, you quoted 1914, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Having a prudent wife doesn't mean I I stop trying to provide for my family and, right. and laying up for the future. It just helps me with the mindset of what's what's more important in life. Yes, me uh, accruing all this wealth that someday I won't even get to use, or having a prudent wife who's going to help me get to heaven. So that makes sense that I see how to achieve a more successful life without maybe giving up the things that need to happen in life. Yeah, it's, it's like we were talking about before. It's about perspective. Mm-hmm. Solomon is trying to teach us the correct perspective. And if we can teach our young people this, then it's going to stand them in better stead for life. I feel like you'll find, I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but just naturally this is where I'm going with it. Um, I, I feel like the Christian system is going to enhance that very, I guess, uh, principle that that. Solomon was trying to increase perspective where really 
you're going to continue doing a lot of the same things. You're going to go to work. You're going to have relationships. But the perspective changes in this higher wisdom. And that would be the same in Christ, is that when I get baptized, I'm a new creation, but I still got to go to work. Mm -hmm. I still got to interact with my family. But my perspective has changed. It's higher. It's godly. Is is that intentional, you think? Is there this reason why in Proverbs and then the New Testament it's calling us? Why is this pattern happening? That's not in the notes. I'm just curious. I think that it's that's always been the way for God's people. There's more to this life than this life. We're looking, like the Hebrew writer talks about, we're looking for that city that's foundations aren't built by hands. They're mm-hmm. built by God. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that is to look beyond this mortal veil and to uh, look to God. And we have to live our responsibilities uh, and, and do the things to take care of our family and, and l- live our lives here on earth. But we have to remember that God is in control and we need to serve him. And, and the joys are made better because we know that God has blessed us and, mm-hmm. and the hardships are made not as difficult because we know that when our time on earth is done, we will receive our reward and we'll be blessed with him in heaven. Well said. For those who are listening, that was spoken extemporaneously. Jamie just, (laughs) he spoke that from the heart. So that tells me you believe it instead of it being something that you've had rehearsed and it's written on your hand or something. You, you, uh, I think are sincere in what you've just said. I believe it with all my heart. Now, I want to know something that that I I like to do in my own Bible study is, um, and people might not be too surprised by this because they see my videos where I doodle on the whiteboard, but I like to maybe map out books, Mm -hmm. write out if that's that I'm making some sort of graphic organizer, but I like to know the structure of it. I think of it like a road map because when you have a map, you know where you're going. And when you don't have a map, sometimes you're just driving around blind. So what is the structure in Proverbs, and how can I use that to my advantage as I read it? Okay, well, I think that helps us to um, helps us to get around that problem of how do you make more of Proverbs than just a one-liner or mm-hmm. a two-liner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to communicate in a audio <laughs> audio format without so. showing a video. Yeah, I just yeah. said I just said I like to do visuals, but nobody can do that. But so <laughs> I, I apologize to listeners who are kind of tuning out at this stage. But if you can keep with us, then good on you. Sure, sure. <laughs> so um, the the first twenty four chapters of the book out of the thirty one are Proverbs of Solomon, and that's okay. further divided by the title in chapter one, verse one. Right. Then he's got kind of a preamble. Uh, through verses 2 through 7 of chapter 1. That's where he's uh, introducing the book, saying what the purpose is. We read um, uh, uh, in verse 7, the thesis statement, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction, which, by the way, is another couplet. Uh, Then we've got the prologue. So that goes from chapter 1, verse 8. We read that as well about how my son hear the instruction of your father and so mm-hmm. on. And that goes all the way through the end of chapter nine. Nine chapters of prologue. Yes. That's a long prologue. <laughs> well, and what he's doing in this section is he's explaining why we should care about the whole book. 
Okay. Why should we care about wisdom? Why should we care about the fear of the Lord? Why shouldn't we eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die? Right, okay. So that's the prologue. Already, by the way, I know you're not done yet, but already that makes me appreciate that I'm not looking at verses all on their own. Yes. So I have nine chapters that are teaching me why this matters. Wow, that's okay. I'm impressed. So then you've got kind of what we could call the main text or the Proverbs from chapters 10 through 24. And that Mm -hmm. finishes uh, the collection of Solomon. Then uh, chapters 25 through 29, this is further uh, Proverbs of Solomon. It explicitly says that these are collected by Hezekiah scribe. We read that at the beginning of the podcast. Then to finish up, we've got chapters 30 and 31, which are the Proverbs of King Agur and King Lemuel. Right. All right. So um, I'm trying to visualize it. You know, somebody's in their car driving or they're doing the dishes while they're listening to this. They're, they're visualizing with this, whether it's an outline or whether they've made some sort of uh, little graphic to, to help them understand it. But you've got Solomon and then the divisions of that from the uh, title to the prologue to the main section and then some a secondary Solomon Notice I'm just repeating it, but I'm trying to do it without looking at notes because I want to see if I can visualize it all the way through. But Solomon that's been edited by Hezekiah's scribes, and then you've got the Gentile kings. Yeah, and so you can think of the Gentile kings. That's like the conclusion. Okay. So you got your introduction um, in uh, the preamble and then the the prologue, why we should care about this. Then you've got all those proverbs that Solomon collected. Then you've got more that Hezekiah, his scribes, uh, compiles. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the conclusion. Uh, with the, the the two last chapters. Great. It up. Okay. So now I know who wrote it, and uh, I know who they were talking to. I know about uh, when it was written, and what a proverb is, and and I and I also know about its structure. And so I guess maybe it's is this the time where we ask the question that you said we need to be asking as we read the Bible, and that's why. Yes. Why is it yeah. in the Bible? Okay. So if I I can kind of see that there's more to it than just these pithy phrases, but why is this book in the Bible and not maybe a narrative that is telling a story about the wisdom of Solomon? Okay, well, I think the best way to answer that question... Oh, man, I got to leave it right there. What a great place for a cliffhanger, right? Jamie's about to tell us the reason why, but you're going to have to come back next week. Why is this book in the Bible as it is? That's the question we were left with, and I relish in leaving you hanging until next week. Now, dear PSB listener, I wish to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your kind messages. Over the last few weeks, I've had emails and texts and Facebook messages that lately have just touched my heart, and it motivates me to keep going. It encourages me. You encourage me. And I just wish to say thank you to all of you who've reached out. It has meant a lot, and I am grateful. Now, please come back next week and the week after for this mini-series in Proverbs, The Beginning of Wisdom with Jamie Thompson. And until then, you can go to the website. I say it every week, and I'm going to say it again. There's all sorts of resources there for you to utilize, use for yourself and for your ministry with others. And you can download and use it all absolutely free. So go check it out at www.pureandsimplebible.com. 
And until next week, always remember that God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well, his real was in some trouble.